Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Dallas Cowboys. This is the Cowboys Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Cowboys Wire editor, K.D. Drummond. KD, as a wise man once said over in Dallas, this NFL thing is hard, isn't it? Listen, <laughs> oh, it, it's it's hard to slander Ben DiNucci because he shouldn't have been put in this situation. 100%. Yeah. We talk every week, we talk every week about how the truncated offseason affected certain people more than others. And there's no excuse, but only one of the five coaching staffs that did a turnover in the offseason has any type of success, and that's Cleveland. So we know what that was, but... The same way that we talked about the fact that Andy Dalton coming into a new system, having no OTAs, having no installations, the mini camps, all of those sorts of things, no preseason games to work out the kinks and learn a new system. Imagine being a guy from a small school drafted in the seventh round and then having to sit back and while there's no preseason games, not only that, but you don't get the work because Dak Prescott and Andy Dalton have to get all the snaps in order to get acclimated to the new system. The man was thrown to the fire. We had a lot of jokes. We called him Nucci Main and, you know, all those sorts of things. Yeah. Gucci Danucci, all of these nicknames that we gave him just because there's no reason to hope for anything in this 2020 Cowboy season anymore. So everybody was just clinging to maybe we can catch lightning in a bottle and this guy will be the second coming of anything good. You know, we, we joke about Tony Romo, but really you're hoping that was, he was Gardner Minshew. You know, that was really the hope yeah. uh, of the level that that, uh, that Ben DiNucci could get to. And then he got out there on Sunday night and absolutely flopped. Yeah. That man was not prepared whatsoever nope. for what the Philadelphia Eagles or any NFL defense was going to throw at him. So here we are back to the drawing board and it's going to be a very, very long season for the Dallas Cowboys. No, another week in Dallas. No, no, no. Yeah, no, he's definitely not Minshew with the handlebar mustache and the jorts, right? You know what? My favorite my favorite thing, Katie, yeah, you said small school, like James Madison, they play they play the University of New Hampshire. I'm, I live like 10 miles from the UNH campus out here. So that's who UNH plays in the subdivision. Division one subdivision. They play James Madison, right? So that's just like, yeah, seventh round pick from James Madison. The one thing that I loved about Danucci's game, it, it wasn't his game. It was the uh, the lineup he had. He he took off that helmet, man. His beard looked real good. He got that thing set up for prime time. I'll tell you that. But the football, as you said, oh, this poor kid. Like he he should have been starting the fourth week of the preseason. That's when we should have saw Ben yes. Danucci start yes. the football game, and, not and, and, a and division never, rival. They never the heard from again. Right, exactly. Yeah, not not week eight. Sunday night football against the uh, division rival Eagles, right? I mean, he he would only throw it to one side of the field, the left side of the field. He just kept throwing it to Gallup. And it was like, bro, there's other there's other receivers. Like, go to your next read. He just kept chucking it to, to Gallup down the left side. Yeah, that was, yeah, he, was he, comical. He, he was so overmatched in what he had to process. We saw the previous week in the game against uh, Washington how Andy Dalton only targeted Amari Cooper. So it was clear that Ben Genucci only practiced or only had had any kind of rapport with finding what Gallup was doing in his routes. Right. CeeDee Lamb has been a afterthought, you know, in, in the last few games based on how these things have gone. So it's it's very clear. But one, one of the funniest things that we saw was this man has never even been taught to slide. He scrambled on a play and the slide that he tried to do, it was like he actually tried to do a flying knee drop as if he was a B-level wrestler. It wasn't even slide. He just jumped in the air to land on his knee. I was worried that he was going to shatter his his kneecap sometime in the game yeah. because if he ever had to slide again, that it, it just it looked like it was going to be a catastrophe. But just to put some numbers behind how overmatched this guy was. Throwing behind the line of scrimmage, and you saw how the Cowboys ran their offense. They they ran Wildcat. The Cowboys never run Wildcat. Right. They 
barely do trick plays. They had end arounds, double reverses, all of those sorts of things. They were trying yeah. to bring out everything. Even when they got going, they they tried to do another reverse that backfired in their face. But Ben DiNucci throwing the ball, he was eight for eight throwing the ball behind the line of scrimmage. Now, that's a great percentage, but the fact that you threw eight times behind the line of scrimmage in a game, that's unacceptable. Beyond 10 yards, 10 to 20 yards, 20 yards down the field, he was two for 11. When you when you're that bad at looking anything beyond the sticks, it's just you're not supposed to be playing football at that point. So the Cowboys, uh, we don't know whether or not Andy Dalton is going to be cleared uh, at the time of this recording, I should say. We don't know whether or not Andy Dalton will be cleared from the concussion. This will be the final game before the bye week. So myself personally, after the hit that he took, I would much rather to see for his health, for him to sit out this Pittsburgh game. But if Philadelphia, who is... Just they, they turned the ball over four times and they were given the Cowboys opportunities. If they were still able to defeat this Cowboys team by 14 points, the undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers, they are probably going to win by 25, 30 points if Ben DiNucci is back under center. It, it's just, like I said, it's all bad right now for the Cowboys. <laughs> yeah, and, and the only problem, the, the thing that kind of sucked the most about you know having to throw DiNucci to the Wolves there and the offense kind of struggling and obviously the fumbles. The thing is, the Dallas defense stepped up in this ball game. They made Wentz look like a seventh round yep. pick, you know? I mean, they did. And Trevon yep. Diggs, he led the team in tackles, two interceptions, kind of punishing Wentz for throwing the deep ball. I mean, we talked about it, KD. The Eagles have no receivers. They have no tight ends I've ever heard of. Their running back was named Boston, right? We never heard of these guys. <laughs> the, the, the best receiver is Fulgham, who I, I meant to say this the other day, but it uh, it slipped my head when we were recording. He sounds like the guy, that McLovin guy on Superbad, Fulgham. <laughs> it's like the same name. So defenses should have their way against Wentz and this Eagles team. They should. And that was the positive sign. That's what we latch on to because the Cowboys defense did step up and play better football and guys took it to heart and took it seriously and it would have been magnified more if the offense didn't just crap all over itself the entire game right I mean the defense deserved better yeah I, I, I 100% agree with you I will say this as a caveat is that familiarity in the NFL is important and the Cowboys are clearly, even with the new coaching staff, they are clearly familiar with NFC East opponents. That's why you've seen probably their best games this year have been the three NFC battles against the Giants, which is the game that they won. Uh, against Washington, they only gave up, quote-unquote, only gave up 25 points. And then this game against Philadelphia. So their defense at least the players are able to go with what are the tendencies of the opposing offense and make a difference. So they clearly knew what Carson Wentz was doing. They clearly knew how to defeat the offensive linemen of the, of the Eagles in order to get some pressure. But yeah, shout out to Trevon Diggs, who finally, after being so close, now Trevon Diggs is right at the roller coaster as a rookie. He is getting burnt numerous times uh, over the course of the, over the course of the season, but he has what every star cornerback has to have. He has a short memory. He has talent. The two things that you have to have as a quarterback, you have to have talent and you have to have a short memory if you get beat you have to be able to bounce right back and get out there for the next play or else they are going to absolutely abuse you for some reason Carson Wentz decided that he was going to try to target Trevon Diggs and he made him pay twice the interceptions that Diggs had were incredible the one that he made diving in the end zone to be able to get his, his shin down inbounds and then hold on to the ball as he went to the ground was phenomenal oh, sweet the deep pass over the middle where he uh, basically ran the route better than the receiver and he uh, adjusted to the ball in the air accounting for the uh, Philly wind on Sunday night was another incredible play. He had multiple pass deflections in the game where it wasn't just that he was making the interceptions, but he was also knocking balls down. And he has been so close the entire year. Yeah, he's given up the big plays, but he's been so close to being that standout guy. He now, I believe that if my memory serves me correctly, no Cowboy cornerback has had more than two interceptions in probably four or five years. One that says how bad the Dallas defense has been over the last several years. But for two, it shows you how much of a step above he is. 
when it comes to being that turnover guy. Byron Jones was a lockdown defender, but he was never the guy that could get turnovers. That was the one flaw in his game and the reason that the front office stupidly let him walk in free agency was that they value turnovers over short plays. He he rarely gave up a, a, a reception, but they let him walk. Just imagine if they had Byron Jones and Trevon Diggs, how oh, yeah. different the season could be. Byron right Jones, now. man, but that's the one that's still, it, it, that one kills you. That one kills you, Byron Jones. It just does. Yeah, because cause they, cause they gave the money to Jalen Smith, and Jalen Smith is like a dog in traffic right now. He's looking every which way. He has no idea what's going on in front of him. Abject failure at the linebacker position, and they gave the money to the wrong guy. They should have saved that for Byron. The, also, Demarcus Lawrence had a tremendous game. He had another sack. He had a forced fumble. He had three tackles for a loss, six defensive stops. Just game record. He was an absolute game record. Now, he didn't have his usual matchup, Lane Johnson, with a late scratch. So that's part of what I was saying about, you know, Philadelphia, the, the opponent that was across from them. But he still did his job. And now he has three sacks in the last four games. He seems to be over the knee injury that he was suffering through at the beginning of the year. And he seems to be back to the player that everybody thought he was when the Cowboys signed him to this big contract. So those two guys, they are the hope for this defense. Hopefully they'll be able to get some more talent in the coming draft to be able to fill in behind them. But there's a little bit of hope now when it comes to the Dallas defenders that we didn't have earlier in the season. It's hard to find stuff to feel good about right now, KD, but we're, we're finding it. We're, we're finding ways. But I'll tell you what. We're, we're, we're clutching. We're clutching, <laughs> my man. But if you look, there was some stuff going on on the sideline on the broadcast that I noticed in, in the post game. There was something that kept on kind of happening coming out. There's kind of a spin going on with the Cowboys. The Cowboys are kind of spitting it for us. I want to get KD's take on that coming up next. Fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends. Sit them, start them. These are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me if this game ends in a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini from thehuddle.com. Welcome to week number nine. I'm Corey Benini of TheHuddle.com, here to talk to you about strong plays for your fantasy football lineups. All four of these guys are a little bit on the risky side, but that's where we're at this time of the year. Quarterback Derek Carr, the Las Vegas Raiders, at the Los Angeles Chargers. Carr is quietly on pace for his best fantasy football season to date, even after a lousy week eight game. The Raiders are getting healthier, and the quarterback position has averaged 25.8 fantasy points per game this year against the Bulls. Five quarterbacks have gone for at least 20 points, and three have gone for 24 or more in the last four contests alone. Jets running back LaMichael Pirine should see a pretty healthy workload against the New England Patriots. It probably won't be pretty in terms of yardage, but there's a hint of upside here as a flex play with a player who faces a defense that has given up seven rushing touchdowns on the year. And what's maybe even more alarming is five of them were over just the past two contests. There's hope here for a situational football break to go Pirine's way. Another rookie, Jerry Judy, the wide receiver for the Denver Broncos at the Atlanta Falcons. He saw 10 targets last week and he has averaged nearly seven looks per game when Drew Locke has started all four contests. While the touchdowns haven't been there, this could change in week nine. Atlanta has given up five touchdowns in five games and eight on the entire season. The matchup is a little better suited for PPR volume, though, which is another reason why you should get them in your lineup. Finally, tight end Greg Olson of the Seattle Seahawks at the Buffalo Bills. The Bills have given up six touchdowns to the position in eight games, helping create four performances of at least 17.8 PPR points. Keep in mind this could be a risky situation especially seeing as there's so many weapons for Seattle to spread the ball around. We saw last week Olsen can get lost in the shuffle in a hurry. He has an intriguing risk-reward decision with several prize fantasy tight ends either hurt or underperforming. For more fantasy football information, news, and advice, check out thehuddle.com. 
Okay, Katie, I don't know if you noticed it. Mike McCarthy during the broadcast, it kind of looked like he was like emphasizing fun. <laughs> it, wasn't like, it wasn't like the no-nonsense <laughs> Mike McCarthy that I'm used to seeing. He was kind of like getting over to guys, like kind of pumping him up like, yeah, yeah, let's go, let's go, let's go. Almost cheerleading. And you kind of understand what he's trying to do. I mean, morale in Dallas can't be really high right now, losing a lot of football games, injuries right. all over the place, right? But post-game, it kind of happened to, no matter who you talk to in the locker room when you watch the post-game, everyone was saying, step in the right direction. We feel good about this. We're getting better. We're, I feel good about this one. We still lost 23-9 to to the Eagles, right? Like, it, like, why are we so excited about losing 23-9? to I just feel like there's like a spin going on with the Cowboys. They're trying to tell us that everything's okay and we're, we're moving in the right direction and Tanucci tried hard and, and it's all good. And I thought Todd Brock for the Cowboys Wire put it brilliantly. He said, about the only thing missing was orange wedges handed out to everyone afterward. And I disagreed with that 100%. <laughs> and I had to, I, I just laughed out loud this morning when I saw that. I had to clip it because that's what it felt like. Like, what do you think about yeah. the Cowboys spin machine, Katie? Well, you know, the, the direction of a team comes from up top. And Jerry Jones is the ultimate salesman when it comes to trying to put lipstick on a pig. I referred to that a couple of times in mm-hmm. the in the uh, tweets that we sent out about our game recaps. A lot of times the Cowboys have failed to put the lipstick on the pig, but they're they're trying very hard right now <laughs> yep. to make this seem like it's a normal situation. Like they planned on this being a rebuilding year and they should have hope that things are going to turn around and this is a direction moving forward. The Cowboys were no doubt about it supposed to be a Super Bowl contender. The injuries are what they are. They have put them in a very bad position. The short truncated offseason has put them in a very bad position. Mike McCarthy's coaching hires, a positional coaching, the coordinator hire has put them in a very bad position. All of those things are true. But when the leak happened and you had an anonymous player, and again, that's the coward thing about being anonymous. You don't know the level of the person of whether we should care or not about a person saying that the coaching staff doesn't know what we're doing. We don't know if it's a star, a regular contributor, or somebody that's on the bench that has absolutely no chance of contributing, or somebody that's been jettisoned from the team since. We have no idea. But when that happens, the contrast to how the Cowboys functioned under Jason Garrett for a decade is clear and stark to everybody that's an observer. The one thing, no matter how bad the Cowboys got, no matter how bad things got, Save for the year when Romo got injured, the Cowboys don't give up. And even when they got injured, when Romo was injured, they still weren't losing as badly as they lose now. They still fought for Jason Garrett. So when you see Mike McCarthy being a cheerleader, I think some of that resonates. The fact that through just at the time, six weeks of the season, five weeks of the season, there was turmoil to the fact that people were barking in public, that he basically called out his own team about not re- not responding to the John Bostic hit on Andy Dalton. Yep. When you start to see those cracks, you then have to, if you're any sort of leader that has any hope of being in it for the long, for the long haul, you have to start to mitigate those risks of things getting worse. So I think that's what you saw. That's, I think that's what you're hearing in the post-game press conferences. Let's forget what we hoped that we were going going to do for this season and let's start to focus on improving from where we are now and that rob rob mentality is part of that we don't want to lose anybody else from this bus ride so let me make sure that you know that i'm with you let me try to convince you that you're with me and we can move forward through the rest of this season to hopefully get to the point where once our quarterback comes back next year then we're going to be in a position to compete again so it's all spin and i think that's a perfect word for it it's spin control right now everything is all bad but let's hope that we can find something to cling on to on a weekly basis that makes us feel better about where we are as a team because everybody knows in the NFL you can change the direction of your franchise in an instant the Cowboys are going to have a very good pick whether it's top five and they can trade and and you know 
stock up on draft picks in order to really improve this team or not. Getting Dak Prescott back will help. Getting Teron Smith back if he doesn't retire will help. Getting Collins back will help. The draft picks will help. There is hope for this team. Being in the system with an offseason, no matter how bad Mike Nolan's system is, if they had an offseason, it wouldn't be this bad. All of that stuff will help. So now they're just trying to make sure that through the course of this season, as bad as it's going to be, because the Cowboys have a realistic shot of never winning another game this year. It's very realistic that they don't win another game this year. 100%. They have to make sure that they don't lose the star players on this team and that they can bounce back and then come 2021, they have a foundation to build on. So I don't even blame them for the spin control right now. I love that. I love the rah-rah mentality. I love it. I think the only thing we were missing was Zeke at the uh, post game smiling with the orange peel in his mouth, right? That's what we were missing. <laughs> oh, Todd Brock. Listen, God I, bless you. I, I, have, I, have a young, I have a young child and I coached his basketball team last year yep. and snack time, they went undefeated. <laughs> they, they actually went undefeated for the year. It was crazy how good they were we kind of uh, and, and I was a first time coach and we kind of got what was thought to be the the worst of the draft because we actually had four teams and we did the draft for players I had no idea about any of the guys that I was drafting but we ended up having a great team it wasn't at all because of my coaching <laughs> but I promise you that snack time afterwards after the games was a highlight <laughs> of everything that happened so when Todd wrote back I couldn't do anything but just sit back and laugh at that it's so good all right we'll be right back <laughs> It's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. Hello, I'm Eston McLaren of Sportsbook Wire and Bet Slippin' Podcast. I'm joined by Jeff Clark to break down all you need to know to bet on the Week 9 Sunday night football matchup between the New Orleans Saints and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Bucks, they're six and two coming in. Five and a half point favorites, minus one ten odds. The Saints, five and two, plus five point five underdogs, minus one ten odds again. Big NFC South battle. Bucks come in in first place. Jeff. Can they hold on against New Orleans Saints? Everyone's down on Drew Brees right now, and it feels a little ageist to me. Old man Drew is seventh in the league in QBR, and he hasn't had his two best weapons on the field for most of the year. Speaking of which, he should be getting back wide receiver uh, Michael Thomas, who is the reigning offensive player of the year. And the Saints' defense is improving. They've even invested here at the trade deadline by acquiring former San Francisco 49ers linebacker Quan Alexander. Give me the Saints plus the points. I'm taking the Bucks. I like them. You're talking about Michael Thomas coming back. Antonio Brown's debut for the Buccaneers. That Bucks defense looking great as well. Second in the NFL with 28 sacks. Subscribe to Bet Seven Podcasts on your favorite app. Please be sure to rate and review. Okay, KD, the reality, as you were mentioning just earlier, right before the break there, the Cowboys might not win another game. They have already dropped into the number five spot for 2021, the draft. And you've already been, you've been looking at that for weeks. You've been, you've been ahead of the yeah. curve as far as looking at the 2021 <laughs> draft. Yeah, you have to be, man. So whether it's Dalton, Danucci, or somebody else at quarterback for the Cowboys, and again, we're recording this podcast on a Tuesday, so check back on the Cowboys wire. Nothing's going to improve against the undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers. They're freaking nasty. 
nasty on defense, and it's going to be a long day. It's going to be a long day for Dallas here yeah. in this ballgame. We don't have a line yet because I don't think there's not going to be a line until the Cowboys announce who's starting a quarterback. What would you handicap this uh, Cowboys-Steelers game at at this point? Two touchdowns? Is that what you said earlier? Yeah, and that's being uh, – uh, no, I said 25, 30 points. I think two touchdowns <laughs> is not going to be enough. I think the line will probably be 14 okay. uh, or 15. Uh, home, my, yeah. my guy, Dan – yeah, my guy, Dan Morris, who is our data analyst on the site, uh, he's just outstanding when it comes to EPA and, and all of those sorts of things. Uh, he actually does a weekly – power rankings based on EPA. The Cowboys are 31st. The only team worse than them is, is the New York Jets. And the spread, according to EPA, should be about 15 and a half. So I would not, if if you're a betting man and they give the Cowboys anywhere close to, uh, you know, if, if, if they're not giving the points, if, if Pittsburgh isn't minus 14 or better, stay away. Stay away because yeah. it's going to be a, it's going to be an absolute massacre mm-hmm. on Sunday. That's great advice. So keep an eye on that line. That's going to be an interesting one. It's going to be double digits for sure. Just how high is it going yeah. to be? You know, what, what what do you want to see from the Cowboys here, KD? Just keep playing hard and, and keep losing <laughs> that kind of thing. Like, keep <laughs> you know, keep seeing young guys like Diggs develop and key guys stay healthy and play good and spin it post game, but continue to set yourself up for next year to have a good draft pick. Is that kind of where you're at? Yeah, I, I don't believe in tanking. I believe that players and coaches should do everything that they can to win within reason. I don't want anybody not giving their full effort. Yep. That's just, you, you don't want the culture of losing to sit it. I'm with you. But when you know that you're not a good team, you do have to start to look towards the future. So I would love to see the Cowboys kind of let some of these veterans sit. I don't understand why Jerome Crawford is getting any snaps whatsoever uh, on the defensive line. Give it to Neville Gallimore. Give it to this guy, Justin Hamilton. Uh, we, we They just traded for a new defensive tackle, Anku, from Houston. So he should be in the game this week. Uh, let's see what he has. Let's see what all of these young guys have. On the offensive line, let's find out if Connor Williams and Zach Martin can play tackle. Because if Teron Smith retires, you need to know whether or not you have to use a high first-round draft pick or whether you have another solution already in-house to move somebody out to the tackle position. Let me see Connor McGovern, because Connor Williams is going to be a free agent after next season. So all of these sorts of things are what the Dallas Cowboys need to be doing right now. Play Francis Bernard at linebacker. Sean Lee is coming back. Who cares? Don't play Sean Lee. Sean Lee is 37 years old. I, I don't know if he's really 37 years old. <laughs> it seems but like he it. is on the verge. <laughs> he's up there. He's he's obviously the smartest guy in the room. He probably should be auditioning to be the defensive coordinator much better than being prepared to take more snaps. Mm. Uh, play Francis Bernard. Play Luke Gifford. Play these guys at linebacker. Let's see what you have out of these young guys. Let Rico Dowdle get some snaps. Uh, at running back, and you know, everybody knows that I am a Zeke apologist. I believe that he is still the best running back, or one of the best running backs in the in the game. He is having a horrible horrible season, it's been rough. but I still believe in his ability as an overall running back in this league. Uh, so I, I, I just want to see some of these young guys get a bigger piece of the pie moving forward so that we know what we have and you can make smarter decisions when it comes to the draft and not just the draft, free agency. You're going to have to give Dak Prescott a lot of money. They should sign him. But previously I said, you don't know what you can do with Dak Prescott. He's not going to be healthy by the time that it's you can uh, pay him and before you have to put the franchise tag on him, throw all of that out the way. <laughs> we see what this team is without Dak Prescott. Yep. Pay that man 40, $43 million the day that you can sign him, given a contract for $43 million. You have painted yourself in a corner. Get yourself out of it. Sign that guy, not just because 
of what this team has shown to be without him at quarterback. And because drafting the quarterback is still going to be a crapshoot, I don't care how good this class is. You never know what you're going to get out of a out of a collegiate quarterback. But simply by the reason that because the salary cap is going down, you can't afford to franchise tag Dak Prescott. You basically have put yourself in a position because of this pandemic that you have to give him a long-term contract mm-hmm. so that you can reduce the amount of impact that he has on the first-year salary. Yep. If you give him a big signing bonus and a low base salary, you can have him on the books for only 10 to $12 million worth of cap hit in the 2021 season. And you're going to need that in order to sign other players in order to have a fruitful 2021. So they basically painted themselves in a corner by waiting this long, give him the long-term contract, get that out of the way, and then start building the rest of your team for next year. I love it. Yeah, it all comes full circle. We started with Danucci yep. and now at the end, we're like, you got to sign tag as soon as possible. And that's what it is. That's to. where we're at. So, hey, man, hey, we're 10 episodes deep at this point, KD with the Cowboys Wire podcast, and I'm say, I gotta say, we're getting better. We're getting better. We're doing the right thing. We're getting better. We're gonna keep it positive. We're gonna spin. <laughs> we're gonna keep the spin going our way, my man. Keep on cheerleading, brother. <laughs> I'm gonna cheerlead for our podcast, my man. We're doing a great job. We're doing a great job. So, hey, take care of yourself. Yeah, right? I, I, I do love this time, man. I appreciate you. This USA Today Sports podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini and the Huddle Podcast Inside the Weekly Line with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.